when did you hear it live? Oh, my friend Bruce, when I lived in Ohio for a short time, we'd listen to Woody Guthrie and Lead Belly. How old were you? I was in my 20s. How about you? I mean, before that, I was listening to Lead Belly? Rock. Yeah. After Nirvana started talking about Lead Belly, I started listening. So the, the early music that you listened to, what, what was early in your life that you hear first? Well, my dad, you know, uh, he was into Earth, Wind, and Fire, mm. and uh, but he wasn't. A, he wasn't I have it on my alarm. But he wasn't a real, you know, music guy. He wasn't, you know, into it that much. That's why I'd say it's kind of skipped a generation because my my grandfather, who never knew, was, you know, music was his whole life. But then the generation after him, these guys. I mean, my 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 uncle Bill was a. Uh, the road manager for the Righteous Brothers, though. So, so really, kind of got that. Wow, well, that's pretty. <laughs> that's big pretty big. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and he that's actually, like, uh, you know, he met you know, Hendrix. Number and, one songs and right, shit yeah. like that. Uh, but mostly, he was a drug dealer. <laughs> <laughs> but it was an integral relationship. <laughs> no, but he, he he is he was a principal for about uh, twenty that's years a, in Kansas City after he got so timing. Kansas in Kansas City. Yep. I wanted, to, I wanted to come back to sure. what, this thing about the 40s, and, and I think about this sometimes, and I, maybe it's my own way of um, you know, self-preservation, but the fact that I can't, you know, that I don't read music, the fact that I don't play the piano like I, like I would want to, you know, I've always, I'll, even before I was 40, I was like, I'm going to fucking be able to read music. Before I'm 40, but now I'm 41, so so much for that. But something about the 40s and the way that we work together is something that's really special. In in a in it's something that's more significant than being able to read music. Or when we get together, we can we do some things that you know that are. We're creating it without really knowing how to. Not that we don't know how to, but it's not that. It's just that we that we're just doing what we do. Mm -hmm. Well, and we've I think, learned to trust each other. And if someone in the band comes up with an idea, we try it, and then we honestly assess that idea, the way it materialized in sound, and then decide. Is it a good idea or not? And then we're not afraid to hurt the person's feeling if their idea sucked. Because we're, you know, we're kind of a collective. Yeah, it's well, pretty, all, it's pretty are shitty. Pretty tight friends. <laughs> but, but if the idea is good, everybody will realize that it's good. No, it, and it, and it, then we don't even have to remember who came up with the idea. It can be, it can be a brawl. Who's... It can be a brawl, though, when it comes to that shit. It, if you work... Well, if you're working on something, you see, know, you don't, anyway. see, yeah. Alex, you don't, you never had this. I did, actually. No, but well, when, when you come, when you got something that you think is really good, and you play it, and, 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 the, and the band's like, nah, let's move on. Well, I, would, I would absolutely get that from, you know, like okay. Andy Wolf or any, uh, Kevin O'Day or uh, Carla Vincio, people I really respect. And like, like, you know, like I bring a song and they're like, you know, they, they would really say, I and mean, like on the first hearing, I'd be like, "That's not a great song." 
Well, like when you bring, important. you know, as a songwriter, when you, when you're, you're bringing your heart to somebody. But, and, but, and what, they say, fuck you. But, but, when, you know, but at that point, though, it's like, but they don't understand. They don't understand how good it could be. Well, it's okay. True. In my mind, you know, though, we've, we've discarded more they, songs. They don't understand how good it could be if they would just yeah, listen to me. Listen, there's a lot of bad songs out there. We've, we've had played, a bad idea. It's we've played so many songs that we ended up never playing. Sure. More than our ever set list today. No, hold on a second. You know, when you add up every single song that we've discarded, yeah. Patterson, well, Judas on it, Afterthoughts. Well, um, you remember the discarded songs. I want some water. Uh, you know, yeah. Adam no, I mean, even stuff that we've done recently that we... Because well, not everybody in the band you wrote those was too. Really into it. You wrote those too, and it was like, it was like well, they just were, they didn't work. It's like, you know, you, when you're writing, you're, you're like, you're like well, this is going to work. Yeah. It's going to be good. Well, I still <laughs> talk to people who knew us 10 years ago, and they say, why don't you play that song anymore? That was my favorite song. And we don't play it anymore. Because yeah, right. for some reason, we just Well, no, it's it. not because of for some reason. It's because we're, everybody... It's occupied with it with their lives, man. You know, it's like it's, well, it's hard. Well, also what what makes one song stand the time, you know, of ten years, and one song gets discarded, even though we have busy lives, and even though we can't just focus on music twenty four hours a day, some songs live and some songs die. Well. And that's this it may not be the fault of the song. It might just be just from. It might know. be because someone was in a bad mood. Right. Said, I'm Could sick be. of playing this song. Exactly. Exactly. Let me ask and everybody you. said, okay, whatever. Well, that's as a band. Yeah, yes. that's a band. Because when you're in a band, you actually. And, and really. And you and can't that, be sovereign and self governing. You can't that be is a libertarian thing. in a band. It's hard that's to true. try. That's all the guys in the band are going like, to all say some shit. And you can't even fucking. You can't get worried about a fucking band. No, it's a band. No, you can't get worried about a song either. You know, no, I mean, just, the, the, the band plays it well or you, not. You might think, oh, this song was the best. Uh, you know, you, you cannot just you can't worry about that. You're if, the if, it go, if it goes to the side and you never address well, it again, you should give it to somebody else. Or maybe it doesn't ever even see the light of day. But you know what? Everything's gonna go on as it does, and everything's gonna be okay, and everybody's gonna die, and everything's gonna be fine. You just count that. Everybody's I mean, gonna you, die. but when it comes to the, to the art of making songs, I have got to the point in my life where I just say, you know, this one maybe, this maybe this would have been the the mother-in-law, you know. Is that? I mean, that's mother-in-law. Clearly, that's yes, because you know, you know that. That the mother-in-law was thrown away and was brought back by somebody other than, than Tucson and became a number one hit. Yeah. You know, you know that story, right? No, Tucson, he, he thought it was lame and stuff, and I believe that too. It's, it's a shitty song. But for whatever reason, it was brought back. And I just, I just don't care anymore. About. Let me ask a question. Now, you're, you mentioned people that say something is their favorite song or something. What's your perception of the way that... Uh, I mean, how do you feel... What do you think people are hearing when they hear you that causes them to do... to have the reaction that what you're doing really expresses something for them? I think it's so, it's so specific to whatever they're going through in that moment. I mean, if someone is... 
dancing and has a gleeful moment and that song was playing when they had some kind of altered consciousness, music-induced euphoria, then they associate that song with that euphoria. So, it's so specific for each individual. Some individuals wouldn't have a special affinity with a particular song. You would think this, but you get a big crowd. If it was all individuals... Well, I think the overall attitude of the show is, you know, maybe in a different category than each individual song. Because mm-hmm. even though we might not play Patterson anymore, which is my friend's favorite song that we don't play anymore, we still do play, you know, Dumpster Juice. And, and when, when, I talk, when I've talked to people who like you, they feel like it's... Is it hard to find them? No. Uh, yeah, well, no. We live in a small town. But, you know... Uh, well, I mean... pretty close by. There's a small For him, it's hard to find them. It's really hard to find a, fi- a fan of Josh Cohen. It is. It's tough. I know. I'm just... I mean, we had to go to Ed Cotton's They're just, like, really too much. Unlike the, the, the drapes on the window. I we, we had to go it's into the center of, of Liberia in the middle... Of the Ebola crisis, to find somebody that likes Josh Cohen. <laughs> you found someone in the middle of the Ebola crisis. Well, that's the only place where yeah. you can know. yeah. when, when one is in the throes of Ebola, uh, one cries out the name of Josh Cohen. He's kind of, he's kind of like potential bushmeat. Well, maybe my blood has the antidote. Maybe. Yeah, oh, yeah, so, 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 he so, might be the guy. Let's test yeah. We should send you over there. I can't catch Ebola. That shit. That's just you like. Can't catch Ebola. That's just you're like Satsuma juice. It's like Satsuma juice. I think shit. he's right. I can't either. So <laughs> let, me, let me ask this question: whether whether it's a Scully band or whether it's Morning Forty Federation or something, whatever whatever the thing is, there are. Um, this is a very peculiar thing because I lived here. Since you, you you do say things in your song that pe- in your songs that people feel are identifiers with local New Orleans shit, and they keep going for that. They think you're. Well, I think coming. we sing you, songs. I think you're saying that you're a spokesman for something. We kind sing. Of no, I'm not. I'm asking whether 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 uh, when you sing what you sing. No. No, listen, let me get clear what I'm asking here. Because I'm asking about something different. I'm not trying to get any superstitious shit over you people. What I'm saying is that people, you guys are, have a thing that you're trying to express, which is what you've been talking about, and people have whatever perception they're having. I'm just saying, do the two meet exactly? Well, since we write songs, well, I, I could say from the origin of Morning 40, it's write songs in bars while you're drunk. And then play songs to people in bars while they're drunk, and then you're playing the soundtrack to their life in that moment. Mm. So they're living New Orleans drunken bohemian derelict lifestyle, and listening to theme songs about the way they're behaving simultaneously in that moment. Mm. So it's like be proud of your debauchery. I think that's what it used to be. I mean, yeah, I think now. I think, I think now it's, it's more that we're writing. When we're people will come to see us, the forties, because we there's something that we, you know, scraped up against them that made them like us, or made them think about you know these guys are fun, 
And it's not just because we're a party band, but there's, it's because there's some depth to, to the songs that we do. And Josh Cohen is the fucking leader of this band. And there's something about what he does and the way he twists things that it's not... Nobody can do what we do. Nobody... There, there is a fucking... And I will fucking put this right up right now that there's nobody that can play... They can mimic a Morning 40 song. When we, morning 40s are the Morning 40s. There are some songs that are totally indicative of what we do, that we do, in a style that we do that nobody else does. We have a style that nobody else does. And that's because of you. That's because of Josh Cohen. That's not because of me. I jumped on this train because of seeing a long time ago that of what he was doing. But he reeled it in, Steve. He, well, but, he but brought it more to the I changed, position I changed where it could be what, digestible. I changed a little bit of what you did, but I always still sort of throw my stuff in there, but mostly I follow what you do because it's a style unlike any other. The Morning 40 style, I, there's, I mean, there's some, there's some connections with Funkadelic maybe. And there's some some connections with What's the connection with, with Funkadelic? Bailey, I'm just saying uh, if you're if you're gonna compare Morning Forty songs, yeah. With this WAF pedal and this whole I think that if I was gonna compare us to any other band, which I would I would compare us to Funkadelic, except we can't sing like they could sing. Well funk funkadelic means like Eddie Hazel. like yeah. that shit. Sure. Yeah. I mean we can never be we can never emulate Brilliant masters. We can't fucking out. sing. Why not? Show. I mean, we can. The harmonies. We can. We can be inspired by them. You're when did you first inside. hear uh, Funkadelic? Pardon. Me and uh, I had a friend, my friend Ted Sarbaugh, who I used to hang out with. We used to drive all the way to Columbia, Missouri, from from Warrensburg, about an hour and a half, just to go to a record store to check out tunes. Like, and ask the people in this record store because that's the best. That's what you do back then. Mm-hmm. You go to the record store and you ask the people in the record store what's what's good. Yeah, you didn't have the internet. No, you just go. Yeah, and and uh, one time we went in there and he goes, check this shit. He's this this little short dude. He must have been five foot tall with a beard, and he puts on fucking uh, Nirvana bleach, and he fucking cranks it up in the record store. And it's like me and my boy, you know, me and Ted are like fucking maybe fifteen, and we're and we and we go up and we, and we don't have record players, but we'll, we'll take uh, three of these because we're gonna like hand them out to our, everybody else because we were fucking. It was like this shit is so kick ass. It was before it was a year before they broke as a band, mm. and we were we were like Nirvana. This fucking band kicks. Ass. It was like 1991, 92. Yeah, 90 or so. Yeah, yeah it was 90. It may have been, yeah, 90, 89, 90. Wow, like in the, in the depths of the depravity. Mm. Yeah, well, well, and you're finally allowed to. But that's when Underground, like the p
Yeah. And you're no longer confined by. Right. Your story is like the no, first time that, that was a liberating experience. Oh, it was great. Getting into yes, music and, and choosing music that your parents didn't turn you on to. Or that the radio. It's an act of rebellion. And the radio didn't turn you on to it either. Because it's yeah, not yeah, on the radio. You're discovering it. Yes. You have the act of discovery. You say, I'm a cooler kid than all the other kids in my block. Because I found out about, about this first. Well, yes. The record store was a, was a great <laughs> yes. thing back in the day when we were all cute. Well, it was also a status symbol. People would run around. I was one of them. Run around with a cassette in my shirt pocket. And anytime I go to a party or someone's house, I'd say, Hey, man, play this. I, you know? I knew every yes. record in that record. I got over that eventually. I knew every record. I, I, I went through it. I'd seen, I'd seen these records again and again. Like when I finally started listening to Steely Dan, I'd already looked at every one of their record covers a million times. Well, Steely Dan was... The studio. It's like you know those musicians guys that do that stuff on ether. I mean, that's just ether. That's so so perfect. Such perfection. Have you awesome. been doing anything? What do you What do you do either side of uh, the Morning Forty Federation? Like you started before that, and what have you done since that? I know you guys have reunions more frequently than anybody else on the planet. What do you do? I've done. I, I I tend to go through phases. I've studied brain entrainment music and made children's songs with brain entrainment that are designed to have headphones on mm -hmm. with binaural beats binaural. And frequencies using quartz crystal bowls. You see, you're into like, uh, psychoacoustics. I got tired of that and then I started gardening and then I got kind of tired of it. Well, I'm doing it again, but... You're doing back psychoacoustical music or you're, you're doing more gardening? I call it more binaural beats. Mm. But underlaid with some minimal melodies. The thing about binaural beats and brain entrainment music is if you get too complex, the brain entrainment technology is no longer Is this a factor in, in, in Morning 40 Federation? Not at all, in any way. Okay, so this is just your personal thing. Scully, let me ask you, man. So... Since the this, 40 Federation, it I mean, is big and it's fat. Okay. Yeah, man. But after the 40s, what, 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 uh, you got the Scully band, but what is that about? Is that related or is it just something? To the 40s? Something? Yeah. No, well, I have. I started. I write a lot of songs in different ways. But the morning 40s, there's a certain style that has to connect with them. Mm. And you know I can't be doing these country songs that I do. Country. The, I mean, he, I mean, the forties don't accept that as a forties song. I mean, if I'm if I come up with a tune, you know, I have to present it to the band. Like say, hey, this is something I. And really, we haven't been doing that at all. We've been writing everything. I you know I brought a few songs in the past up to the forties, like fully done songs. Many of them, you know, like right, I wrote it, you know, there's a change and everything. And uh, but now it's it's more where we are coming up with most of it as we go. So what I don't understand when you're talking about this, like as far I remember when you guys broke up because it was a big deal. People were like, oh, they were depressed. The morning forties are breaking up, but now you're talking like you're on the edge of exciting music and there's new things happening. And what is the deal with this? I think a lot of it has to do with just what Scully was talking about, which is 
No one brings a package song to the band and says, this is your part, play it. We're letting, we're trusting each other to come up with the parts that are, it's like two heads are better than one, or six right. heads are better than two. So you're still making the more DNA know. that can be put in. If we can actually be well. in a band where you guys are like everyone is equal, like, agreeing with each other. Yeah. You guys are very famously, right? You're both my friends. Like, not agreeable to one another. He and I? You guys. No, that's not true. Well, well that's because I'm so great to know. It's, a, it's a very kind of like. No, no it's Josh a, and I get along. Well, that's get along it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be true for it to be the word on you guys. But it's, no, it's I, not, it's I, I did not throw true. a bullhorn at his face. I'm just saying. But that was. That was five or six years ago. I just and you guys, to see you guys actually deferring to one another. And you're like, I see a real partnership here. It's very, it's, well, it's actually kind of uh, enlightening. Maybe. But like, you guys are known as like being like fucking enemies. How did you uh, really? select you? Yeah. yeah. That's the public perception of you guys. Really? No, it's not. It is. Is that, who says? Yeah, that's apparently why the band broke up. That's why it is. Because me and Scott. That's the Apparently because you. Uh, you they, guys they, are. You know what? They, they were conditioned enemies. by the. You never uh, heard this McCartney shit? McCartney. That was band. not. Yeah, yeah, it's it conditioned by the Beatles shit. Huh? Yeah, I love it. I like it. That's good. Well, don't you? <laughs> you never heard that? We see good friends, you know, badger each other sometimes and, and, and are expressive with one another. You know, right. yeah, it's, it's only when you're most comfortable with the puppy dog that you play and chew his ear and let him chew your ear. Mm. It certainly was not me and Josh. No, there's so many dynamics. You want to talk about personal dynamics yeah, in the band? I don't think that's, me that's and Shelly have the... So you guys... Me and Josh are fun. Like, no, we've always been dealing. fun. I got a, only a couple more questions that might pan out. He's smoking the fuck now. One is, you... Put another band together, the, the Rough Seven thing. How did you choose that band, and why does it have that sound? Uh, it, uh, you know, it's different. I know you write these songs, but forget why. But how did you choose the people in the band? Well, Mike is also he's in the forties. Yeah, the drummer. Yeah, right. And uh, the original band. The bass player I chose because of the financier that was going to finance the band, which was Dr. Fred and his brother was CJ. So I figured you had a financier. Yes. I mean, how, how, else we, how, how else are we going to make records? That's interesting. Always, so, so it started as a recording project. Well, it. Everything starts as a recording project. Well, I remember you had done a solo record way back in the 90s, right? Right, and I had a financier on that too. Tell me about the solo record for a minute, because that was the first time. I, you, you know, you were the first person I talked to about doing interviews. I've done a lot of them since then, but oddly enough, I'm very happy about this evening because you were the first person I talked to at the R Bar about doing an interview with you when I, at years ago. And uh, and so I want to know because it's interesting. I want to talk to you, but you had you did a solo record right back then, and then you switched up. So it was there was a financier on both records. I've had a financier on everything because I can't afford to pay for making recordings. 
even the even on morning forties have never we've never paid for our own recordings. Never. I don't think we ever have. Paul McCord. We like, well, that's before I was in the band. We got hustled at the Egyptian room. But we, we also did for the other, and so I'm talking out my ass. No, but there was a serious person that came along and said they wanted you to do a record. That's what you're saying. My own record? Yeah. No, I, no I, I did that on my own. The, the Rough Seven or the Solar Record? Albert Matrina. Hey, all the all the recordings that I do outside the morning forties, I I pushed that through. I, I pushed all of it through. Okay. And you know, and I get people to help me make those records, and then and I tell them, and of course I'm like, nobody's gonna make any money off this, but I you know I just have an, an urge to make fucking music, man. I have I have a lot of a lot of stuff. Scott so, also a really good communicator. Has it changed? In a, has it changed no, over? Has it changed over the years? He's calm. He's got a calm demeanor when he's working with other musicians. And it, has it changed over the years? <coughs> but, but have I changed over the years? And were the music? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a lot different than I used to be. Do you write differently? Well, I haven't written very much recently, so I don't know. Oh, interesting. Okay. Do you write differently? Is it different? Well, the way I've been writing lately is I listen to riffs that they're doing, and I just start. And yeah, your old man, your old man thing is. Oh, I got a song about old man. Like I'm an old man. Do you feel like an old man? Yeah. Like that's why I, it's a good tune. It's it, but it's being proud it, of being an old man. Yeah, that's what the song is. Well, like but that. even though you're you're hooked up to colostomy bags or whatever the lyrics, but you know he wrote he wrote a tune called the colostomy bag blues. Yeah, yeah. 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 I got another song. I want to say another song called the old days. Well, this is this old is days just, are gone. This man. is like almost R.L. Burns. Sounds like this. Yeah, it is. It is. I got Scully doing this. Open. Oh, I'll play it for you. Uh, vocal yeah. mimic riff. So when I'm done with the vocals, he does the riff on the guitar. That's just like the vocals, but it's just badass the way that. I'm a sloppy ass guitarist and musician. You know, I really. I, I wish I had more skills. Than I do. Well, I'm glad he doesn't have more skills because I don't want to be in a Robert Fripp band as much as I love Robert Fripp. The, his later work with after the Brian Eno days yeah, is, is math rock. I mean, it's just right. too many notes. It's like how many notes can you hit in a second? To me, the greatest song is a riff you hear in your head and then you get your instrument to portray that riff that you. Heard. To me, yeah. the greatest song is, I, is I the Beatles. Like, like, you're really the Beatles. It's like noty fucking prog rock shit. That's okay, we're all about the same age. There's some notes. time for it, I guess. It's just like, you know, to like, hear how many notes a guy can play in one measure, it's like, I kind of get off on that a little bit, you know. Well, and, and to me, that, you know, there's a time and place for that. Exactly. There's, a time and there's place. also a time and place for a three note. I think a three note, one note. You know, one note song. Oh, that's what I'm all about. You know, the the stripping it down to the most effective, minimal shit with the right sound coming out of the amp. I mean, I'm, I'm a guitar enthusiast, 
When I hear Bailey and Screlly and the sounds coming out of their amps, that's what makes me sing the way I do. I could never sing the way I do without hearing that at the same time. What is it in that time hearing? What are you hearing? I'm hearing... Alright, first of all, it's probably three things, like what I practice, what I listened to while I practiced and trained what you to deliver properly mm-hmm. in the practice space. Then I'm hearing intonation, where exactly do I need to fit into this vocally. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also hearing the, the recklessness and the vitality that's being transmitted through the action of the conscious human beings that are playing those notes. And if they're really high on the music, that is Very translated through the vibrations of the notes, through the amplifier and everything. 